0: Welcome. We're glad you you are here. Uh, We are moving into a season called Advent. If you haven't been here before when we've done it or you are new to church and basically Advent is a four week 4 weekend um, intentional time that the church takes. It's a tradition. Some people like candles. Some people have set themes for it, but it's an intentional time when the church begins to fix our gaze towards Christmas Day and and begins to dial in because here's what happens if if we're really honest the the world around us will dictate what your christmas season should be like if you let it and so as the church it's an intentional time No 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 we want our christmas season to be different than what the world offers we want our christmas season to have an intentional focus we don't want to get to christmas day and be like oh Right. We want to get there going. It is the greatest party on the planet. The Kardashians got nothing on the church when it comes to celebrating birthday parties. Right. Because the entire planet should know that Jesus was born. Right. That's 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 the whole point. It's a birthday party. And so as a church, what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to anchor in and begin to, in every week, pull our focus back to that God has always been up to something. He's still up to something, and he really does love the planet because he showed up as a baby to prove it. So for us, what we're doing is intentionally going, okay, let's focus, let's focus, let's focus, so that, so that when we get there, we are ready. Okay? Okay. Because all good parties take planning. So, with that in mind, our Advent season is going to be, we're going to use this word unexpected. Have you ever thought about the Christmas story as an unexpected story? And and here's what I mean. God decides he's going to save the world, so he comes in the form of a baby, like, hold on, hold on hold up. This is the God who has all the holy angels who could roll into our atmosphere at any point, right? But he chooses to save the world by becoming one of us. That's unexpected. That, that's not a twist that you saw coming. The, the fact that he's going to become a baby, which makes, makes him extremely vulnerable, right? And he goes, you know what? I'm going to put myself in the hands of a middle school girl. That's unexpected. And, and on top of that, he's not going to be born. He's not going to take that baby and put that baby in a palace, which is—he's a king, right? So, so roll into a palace, take over a palace, be born there somehow, right? No, he's going to be born in a cave with stinky animals. That's unexpected. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so so if he's going to be born, he's going to have this giant, giant like display saying, this is, this is who I am. I'm here. This is me and this bait, right? Y- you would think he'd have like light, the sky, and you wouldn't be able to miss it. Right. But no, he sends outsiders who nobody would really listen to shepherds and they show up first. That's unexpected. And we could go on and on and on and all the twists and turns of this story that are unexpected. Today, we're going to look at one then, and I'm calling it the unexpected adventure the unexpected adventure that one man in the Christmas story was invited into. And we're just going to look at his journey and then kind of how, how does that play out into our lives, especially when things are unexpected. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Um, Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Somebody will bring you one if you want one. Um, but Matthew chapter 1. A- and here's the... The context that we're going to dive into, the first 17 verses are a list of names of who bore who, right? This this list of names of all these people, it's a lineage, right? And the lineage is showing you the line that Jesus is born into, which what that lineage is doing is proving his royal descent, that he he is a descendant of David. Okay, so that's the context you jump into. Now, here's another unexpected twist. If you go through that list, that list is full of like murderers, liars, scandals. Women are in that line who aren't part. They're foreigners that are in that line like that. That's unexpected, right? And so you have this list. And so now built on that list, the next line that we're going to read begins to define for us, begins to shape up the context for this morning. It goes like this in chapter in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. This is how the birth Of Jesus the Messiah came about. Here's what I love about the way the Bible starts. Because this has similar tones to Genesis chapter 1. And here's what I mean. Genesis chapter 1 begins with, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first verse in the entire book begins with a statement that is handed to you that you have to choose what you're going to do with it. There's no explanation. Like You get verses later that begin to define some of that. But for the most part, what you get... In Genesis chapter one is you get handed a statement that God makes that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and here's what happens to you. I have to choose in that moment what I'm going to do with that verse. It's a moment of faith. Very similar here. Now we're going to hit one of those where where God just kind of goes, here you go. What are you going to do with it? So this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. A virgin who is pregnant. That is what is handed to you at the beginning of the Christmas story. That is what's handed to you. What are you going to do with it essentially, right? It's a moment where for us we have to sit and go, okay, by faith now, what am I going to do with this? Because here's what's at stake. It's not, can a virgin be pregnant? That's not what's at stake here. What's at stake is when God says something, does he always speak the truth or doesn't he? Because if this is his book, and this is his telling of the story, and he had men write it down, and so God now tells us through Matthew, he goes, this is what I want you to pen down. And Matthew pens it down, and what he pens down is this is a virgin who was pregnant. Your real battle of faith is, is God a liar or does he tell the truth? Because that will change everything. And then it goes one step further then, because then you have to answer, okay, if God's telling the truth, then is God big enough to really allow and make happen a virgin to be pregnant? You see, the instantly what you get within the Christmas story is you get this idea of, I've got to make a decision of faith. This is really about faith. And the unexpected adventure as we get into it is all about faith. Every single part of it. And so then within here, you have his mother, Mary, his mother, Mary was pledged. So Jesus's mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, in our context, that would mean she's engaged, right? But in Bible context, it's way, way bigger than that. So when it says pledged, it means betrothed, right? And what would have happened is at some point, Joseph would have sat with all his family. Mary's on the other side with all her family. He slides a glass across to her and says, will you you drink of this cup? Right? And what what he's really saying is, will you marry me? She takes the cup, which means yes. There's a bride price that's figured out. So he figures out Joseph's dad and Mary's dad, they hash out how much we got to pay for Mary, which I know it sounds barbaric, but I'm thinking of bringing it back. Okay? I got four girls. I'm going to make some cash. Okay? Just so you know, any gentleman looking at my daughters, you're going to pay up. Okay, anyways. So she, she says yes. And in that moment, then in that moment, they, she is pledged to be married. She is one who is bought with a price. And what happens in that moment is she will go back to her village and he will go to his village and he he will pick up, he will work during the day in the family trade, which was carpentry, which is handy because he's got to build a room and a house for her. So he's now building a house. She's in her village. He's in that village. How do we know that? Because before they had, before they, what came together? Before there was any intimacy of marriage. And and the way that you break a pledge in this context is you would have to, okay, if you go back to Old Testament times, right, the way that you would break this pledge, especially if she was found to be pregnant because then there was adultery involved, the way you break it is she would be stoned to death. But because Rome had come into town, right, Rome had said, your death penalties don't count. The Jewish death penalties don't count. We get to choose what the death penalty is. So because Rome was in town, the way that you would break this pledge is he would have to divorce her. And so in the next verse, you kind of see the dilemma that he's going through because she showed up and went, it's God's. And he's like, "Okay." verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her. It's a public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So, because they're pledged, he now has to he now has to go through this process. What am I going to do with Mary? What am I going to do with Mary? I, okay, can can we make the Bible real for a second? Okay, for some reason we get this view that everybody in the Bible they were just like super godly and they were different than us. Um, Joseph's a dude, and his girl shows up pregnant. I think there was a whole lot of emotions going on in Joseph. I think all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's, he's got everything in line, right? He's building the house. She's in her village. This is going to be great. They're going to get married. And then this unexpected adventure drops into his world. He doesn't expect it. It comes out of nowhere. And now Mary shows up and she goes, it's God's. There's no point of reference for this. He can't go back and go, man, this happened to my cousin Nathaniel. I remember this. (laughs) There is no cousin Nathaniel.
1: There is no roadmap.
0: At this moment, he's now got to what? He's got to figure it out. What am I going to do with Mary? Here's what's interesting. Your unexpected adventures will always shine a light on your character. They'll always illuminate your character. The character that you have today, when that unexpected adventure shows up, it is going to bring to the surface your character. Here's what I mean. Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. A better translation of that is Joseph was a righteous man. That word righteous, by the way, that word that's translated faithful to the law, means that the intention he wanted to live... In accordance. His intention was to live in accordance with what God wanted. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's give you a little more context. Joseph is a teenager. So before you get the idea that like, oh man, this Joseph's walked with God for how many years? The idea is Joseph is in his late teens, more than likely. Okay. She's a middle schooler. He's probably 18, 19, maybe a little older, but not, he hasn't walked with God for 20 years. Okay. So, so let's be really, really clear on this. Like this isn't somebody that man, he's walked with God forever. And now at the end of his life, God's asking him to do something. This is a guy, this is a guy that in the midst of this, in the midst of his younger years of life, steps into and has to make a choice now, but notice his character that's exposed. He was a what? Righteous man. He was faithful to the law. He was a just man. It meant that the intentions of his heart were to follow what God wanted. When unexpected adventure hits your life, it will illuminate the character that you have. It will put a spotlight on it, so to speak. And in this moment, what you find in Joseph is that the spotlight was his intention, his his desire was to live in accordance. What does God want? So now, now what do I do with Mary? He's going, what does God want? What does God want me to do? How does God want me to proceed? Even greater than that, I think. I think not only did he want what God wanted, but then it says, and yet... Did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay, Joseph had every right to drag her out of wherever she was into the public arena, throw her in the middle, cast every ounce of... He's hurt, right? So when you get hurt... Words come differently. He has every right in that moment to throw whatever he wanted at her, to publicly disgrace her, to strip her down in front of everybody. And can I tell you that the religious leaders standing around would have cheered what was taking place? How do I know that? Take a look at Jesus' life. Whenever somebody was brought to the public, what happened? The religious leaders were right there going, Yeah, that's right. Uphold that law. But you see, I think there's something else about Joseph's character. I don't think it's just that he wanted to do what God wanted. I think he wanted to do it with the very nature of who God is. Here's what I mean. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Who is that good for? Her. You know, the amount of compassion, the amount of, of, of mercy... The 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 overtones of love that flow into that moment that he goes he goes no 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 I'm I'm not going to do this publicly, I'm going to do it quietly because that's best for, her not, me. See, not only did he have the character of God. What do you want in this moment? But he also had the God. How would you do this? And I'm gonna I'm gonna do it that way. So then the next verse picks up in verse twenty. But after he had considered this, after he had considered. That word considered is is that he sat and he thought about all of the various options that he had. And as he thought about all the various options that he had, he came to the conclusion that this was best to do. So he's made the decision that this is what he's going to do. And it's in the midst of that. It's in the midst of the slowing down to consider that God shows up. I wonder how many of us, I wonder how many of us need to slow down a little bit so God can show up. I wonder how many of us see, see to consider. Consider means that I don't react. Consider means that I don't act rashly. Consider isn't this happens and now I'm there. Consider is that happens and I actually take a step backwards. I slow down. I do, I do the opposite of, of, of jumping forward. I slow down to bring light to it so that I can make the wisest decision possible. In this moment, what Joseph does is he steps back and as he considers, as he considers, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You see, this isn't, by the way, Joseph isn't a religious man in the sense of like he doesn't get paid to be religious. His occupation isn't that of a priest. In fact, if you follow the, the, the culture of the day, somewhere along the way, Joseph made a choice that he was going to be a carpenter instead of continue on in religious studies. He, he was going to be a carpenter instead of, instead of going through the schooling to become part of, part of the uh, teachers of the law on that side of the, the world. Instead of becoming active in the temple in a, in a formal sense, he, he, he chose to go and do the family business of carpentry. I think there's something for us here that, that your, your character and the way that you interact with each situation that life brings isn't dependent upon your occupation. You see, see, our world has this idea that because I stand here and I do this, then somehow I should be more spiritual. That, that somehow my character should be, should be better and different. And, and, and here's, here's the reality. I think whether you're the employee or you're the boss, whether you're a pastor or you're like I was years ago, like landscaping and digging holes, probably in some of your yards with a jackhammer, because when God had the bag of rocks and he was going around the world, throwing them out, it broke over Arizona. I don't know if you knew that, but it's true. And, and, and so now when you plant trees in Arizona, you use a jackhammer because this cool got to have trees. Um, But whether you're landscaping or you're standing here or whether you're an employee or you're actually the boss, I I don't think that determines your character. I think what determines your character is when you said yes to Jesus, if you'll actually follow what he said. I think what determines your character is this, this bent of my heart that goes, God, what do you want in each and every situation? You see, you can be an employee with a, a boss who's a jerk, and if your boss is in the room and he's a jerk, I'm sorry, but right. But but if if you're the employee and your boss is a jerk, then I, I think your role is God. What do you want in this situation? I want to follow what you want and act how you want. If you're the boss in the room and you're a jerk, stop it. Nobody likes it. Okay. But if you're in a room and you're the boss and you're a jerk, your your role is the same. God, you've given this to me. What do you want with it? What do you want with it? God, how do you want me to interact with this? You see, I don't think your character is determined. I, I, think, I think even this idea here that as the unexpected shows up, whatever role you have in life, whether you're standing here doing this or you, you're in some other occupation and role, I think, I think the response is the same. I think it's to slow down, consider. Why? Because in the considering, in the slowing down, in the processing, in the conversation, God has the space to move and breathe. It's interesting that Advent is all about waiting, intentionally waiting. And and what you find here is that, but after he had considered this, that's when God shows up. That's when God's in the midst of The Lord angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, son of David, take Mary home as your wife. Joseph, son of David. Okay. Remember that I said Matthew starts out with a lineage, right? It's a royal lineage. Okay. This is a much bigger moment than we initially thought, and here's why. Because in this moment, Joseph has to make a decision, but that decision determines the line that Jesus will be in. Okay, the whole book has been building towards Jesus coming in the royal line of David. Right. So now Joseph, son of who? David has to show up and do his part. This is not by chance that he's been chosen. It's not by chance that Joseph is going to step into this moment of history. It is not by chance that this unexpected adventure has brought Joseph to this point where Joseph has to make a choice that is by faith that is what's best for God and not what's best for him. Because what happens is when it says here, take Mary home as your wife. Take Mary home as your wife. Here's what would happen. They would be legally married. And as the one who is married to the woman who is pregnant, it is the legal job of the legal father to name the child. And when he names the child, that's, that's the line that it's in. See, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting with this, right? Because for the legal line to continue, Joseph has to step into this moment. Joseph has to show up. Joseph has to fulfill what God has for Joseph. Next verse. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. You, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. That word "save," by the way, is divine salvation. It's not rescue you from oppression of the Romans. It is divine salvation. Hey, Joseph, this baby's going to show up. And when this baby shows up, he's going to bring divine salvation for all his people. And see, what happens here is Joseph has two major moments. Because you see, taking Mary as his wife. Has huge ramifications. Imagine what his family does. His family are now mad. Why? Because he's doing what? Taking her to be his wife. He's he's gonna experience the same disgrace that she's gonna experience. He's taking on her stuff and putting it on him when he takes her as his wife. On top of that, on top of that, he doesn't get to pick the name. So when he shows up and the baby's born and he goes, his name is Jesus. When he does the legal naming and and uncle, whatever his name is over here goes, we don't have anybody by that name. It's a disgrace. You name after what your line is. And now out of nowhere, Joseph with his first child is going to show up and go, his name is Jesus. This is a monumental moment for Joseph. You know why? Check out the next verse. Verse 22, all this took place to what? Okay, just making sure people were out there. Not talking to myself. Okay, all this took place to, you can go back. All this took place to what? Fulfill. This book, God's story, it's unfolding, it's moving. God is doing something brand new. You know how God had showed up before? God had showed up in a temple. And now all of a sudden Joseph's hearing this unexpected adventure. Joseph's hearing, hey, I'm going to show up in the form of this baby and you're going to play a key role. I need you to do something, Joseph. It's going to change the entire life. The the pattern of your life is gone. It's going to change it. It's as if you're going this way and I need you to go this way now, Joseph. And it's in that moment that he's saying, hey, all of Scripture, all of Scripture has been pointing to this moment with you, Joseph. But By faith, I need you to step into it. By faith, I need you to trust me in this unexpected adventure. By faith, I need you to move forward with me, Joseph. What the Lord said through the prophet. Next verse. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God essentially pulls back the curtain just a little bit for Joseph. And he goes, hey, Joseph, I'm doing something brand new. And it's going to change the game forever. Joseph, this is, this is so different than anything I've ever done. I'm not going to a temple, Joseph. I'm going to come in the form of this baby. And, and that whole phrase of God with us, I am going to be with you. Did you know, by the way, that this Christmas you are not alone You are not alone because God proved it on the very first Christmas when he showed up in flesh and he showed up to tell you that you're not alone because the whole point was God showing that he is with us, that he is moving with us, that everything we do, he's a part of our story. And now Joseph stands at this monumental moment of history where he has to make a choice. And the next verse tells us exactly how it went. When Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord, what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. Next verse. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus. And what I love about this story, what, what, what I'm finding resonates so deeply, is that Joseph, Joseph chose God and what God wanted, no matter the cost. No matter where it went. No matter whether he understood or did And you can't tell me he understood everything. There's no way. But he understood what God was asking him to do, and he did it. It reminds me of the words of Jesus that come later in Luke chapter 9. Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my what? Disciple must deny themselves. See, I don't know what unexpected adventure God's got you on. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what what just showed up in your world. I don't know what showed up when. I don't know if it hasn't showed up yet. And you don't know what tomorrow has and where God's going to take. I don't know. But what I do know is this. That when you said yes to Jesus, you said no to you. Right. And so in that moment, when I said yes to Jesus and I became a disciple and I went, man, I'm going to follow you. What I know happened is in that moment, the call on your life was to say no to me. Now, this isn't self-hate, this deny yourself, isn't this, this self-hatred and all of that. It's not that. It means that I'm going to put me second and put him first. It means that in every situation, I'm going to ask God, what do you want? What do you want, God? Because it's not about me anymore. Joseph had to take a back seat. They, by the way, you ever notice that Joseph's just the dude that holds the string for the donkey? You ever notice that? I mean, every play you ever see, he don't have no lines, right? He's just the dude that shows up with the donkey, but he's so much more because had he not stepped into what God had for him and denied himself, Y'all, our story would be different. Do you realize that that moment was the fulfillment of Scripture? That moment was the declaration when we sing Emmanuel. Guess what? It was fulfilled in that moment when he chose to follow God and say his name is Jesus. Because one man in history stood up and did exactly what God told him to do. Church, what are you being asked to do this Advent season? Here's what I know about God. He'll always point you towards people. How do I know that? Because the entire story is about God coming what? For people. It's about God creating people and moving with people. And God rescuing people. And God taking people as family. God having a future with people. God has a mission for you. And I can guarantee you it involves people. Here's what's fascinating. What is it? Because I know where it begins. It begins with deny yourself. What that means is, this isn't good for me. That's okay. That's okay. God, I don't like. That's okay. Because it's not about you. See, something fascinating about Christmas is you ask your kids, "What do you want this year?" And what do they give you? The list this big, right? What do you want? What if we flip that and we go, God, what do you want? Take up their cross. So deny themselves. Take up their cross daily. By the way, that take up your cross isn't, oh, my life's so hard. I have that boss who's a jerk. And I don't think that's your take up your cross. Honestly, I think take up your cross is this. That God, I'm going to deny me and I'm going to get in mission with you, right? I'm going to step into this unexpected adventure. Whatever you have in front of me, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to step into it. Even if it means that I end up dying. Even if it means that because I make this choice, I'm going to get ridiculed. Because I'm making this choice for you, I'm going to suffer persecution. If I make this choice for you and they end up coming and getting me and they end up killing me, that's okay, God, because that's the model you left for us that we will deny ourselves, take up our cross no matter the cost, and we will follow you. That's what Christmas was all about for Joseph. That first Christmas for Joseph was stepping into a world that he had no idea where the rabbit hole ended. It's a couple of years ago. But... I was actually like four or something. I don't remember totally. But the phone rang, and there was a 19-year-old on the other end. And she'd been in the the high school group. I was a high school pastor at the time. And she was now at college. And she goes, I got myself pregnant, and I don't know what to do, but I want you to take the baby. And at that moment, I was like, we we just started the foster care conversations in our house. We were barely ready for that, and this was adoption. We're like, we need to pray and talk, and and so we did. We got My wife and I were praying about it, talking about it. We got our kids involved, and we made a family decision that we're going to adopt this baby. And so we began. I called her back. I said, we're in. We'll, we'll do this. We'll walk this road. And we began to began to walk out that road and over the nine months, crazy nine months, there were sonograms and there was um, filling out paperwork and we got to choose a name and uh, we picked a name. We found out it was a boy and um, we we were moving towards this this day. And it ended with me standing in Prescott Valley in the birthing center. Uh, My wife had... I was taking somebody to college and she couldn't be here, and so here I am. I got a car seat in one hand, and and I, I walk up to the lady at the desk and I go, "I know she's probably not here, but is this lady here?" And I said, "No." And I said, "What what was supposed to happen?" I said, "Well, she had it was a, it was a planned C section. It was on this date at this time, and so I'm just here to." make sure. Ladies, I'm so sorry. There's nobody by that name. in. And all of a sudden, you can imagine the emotions. And we began to unravel this elaborate lie that we've been told for nine months. And you can imagine how two teenage girls took that. And I remember going, God, I don't understand. I know we were following you. And I don't understand how we can stand here now. Why? What was the point? And it was a, I don't know the time frame in between, but we got a call on a Wednesday. And it was somebody saying, would you adopt, would you foster these two girls? And and Here's what was fascinating to me. It took less, if it was two minutes, that's exaggerated. It took less than two minutes to go, yes, we are in. Whether that's for a day or a lifetime, we will walk this road. Because God had already done the heart work back here. We didn't understand the journey. We were just walking by faith. And now today, if you would have told me then that all that was so that today I could tell you about two beautiful girls that will be part of our family forever. That that on a Wednesday I would get a phone call and that Saturday I would have a newborn. By the time I left here from preaching and got home, I'd have a newborn sitting in my house that then would become my daughter. You see, I don't know what this unexpected journey is that you're taking, but I do know this, that if you will respond to it as we learn from Joseph going, I don't know where it leads, I don't know what it does, but God, you are God, I am not. What do you want? Lay me down. I'll step into it no matter the cost. That is what we're called to, church. That is when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to being a disciple of His. And I know this much. That this Advent season, as He leads you, He's got people in front of you. Who is He going to lead you to? Can we get our eyes on what He wants this Advent season and not on what the world says we need? And fix our eyes and our gaze on Him and let our response out of courage and out of faith be God. Wherever you take me, I will go, no matter the cost. And who knows, who knows, just like Joseph, who knows what God is going to do through those people you meet and where he takes you. I know this much, man. I'll I'll tell you this straight up. Those two little girls, my now daughters, God has got an amazing plan for them. I know it. I can feel it. He's going to light the world with those girls. And I can't wait to see but it was just a simple man. I will follow wherever you lead. So God, we come before you. Thank you for Advent. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for people. Thank you for stories. Thank you for God, a man named Joseph. Who God becomes a vital part of what Christmas even means because he chose to walk by faith and followed you into an unexpected adventure. God, would you shatter our boxes this year? God, the boxes that that have all of life mapped out and have all of our adventures mapped out and have in our minds all of the next steps in place, would you, God, intervene? And God, would you have the freedom with us to take us on an unexpected adventure with you? God, would you give us courage for those that are in the room and they're in the middle of the unexpected adventure and they've got a step of faith in front of them. Would you give them the courage today to take that step? God, would you give others the courage to lay down themselves, God? Would you give them the courage to have eyes to see what you want this year and, God, the courage to follow where you lead? God, would you, as you did so many years ago, remind us this Christmas season that you are with us, you are for us, and if you are for, who can be against? But God, it was all purchased through your sacrifice for us that you chose to take up your cross, that you chose to carry the cross to to. God, spread your arms out across a cross that you chose to bleed out that we may have life. God, would you today remind us that we are free to follow because you paid the price for us. We love you. And everybody said, "No.